Church family, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming with hearts and minds, souls prepared to exalt the Lord our God this morning. It is such an encouragement. Jen and I last night uh, finished, a, officiated a, a wedding of Savannah Hooper from our church, beautiful wedding, but it was down in Niagara. And if you watched the news last night, that was not a fun place for a kid who grew up in Africa as a missionary kid learning how to drive. A foot, couldn't even see a foot in front of the van. At one point, we got stuck on a hill in downtown Niagara, and uh, I'm out in my suit, pushing the van. Jen's driving just to get off the hill so we don't get hit. And uh, we got home late last night, but you know what I knew? As soon as we gather together and we begin to worship the Lord and lift His name up high, I just knew that I would be so refreshed. And so I just want to say thank you for coming prepared to honor God this morning through your worship. Uh, I know it's glorifying to Him, and hopefully it's enriching to each other as we lift up His name. Amen? Every uh, two years, when either the Winter Olympic Games or the Summer Olympic Games uh, roll around, there's a big deal made prior to the Olympic Games about the clothing line of the Canadian athletes, or more commonly known as, I wonder what the Canadian Olympic swag will look like. Uh, these games. And as soon as it's revealed, uh, many people head out to stores. In the past, it's been Hudson Bay, Roots. Currently, right now, Lululemon is the official uh, outfitter of the Olympics. You won't find me much in a Lululemon store, but they are the official outfitters of, uh, of them. And, and people go out because they want to buy their Canadian Olympic swag. And I thought this morning, we have a Tupperware Rubbermaid container downstairs where all the hats and mitts are. And uh, I thought for sure, and I went, yeah, you know what? We do have some Canadian Olympic swag from the past. And I bet you some of you have these red mitts as well, right? I see you nodding. And uh, yeah, because we want to wear the Canadian swag because it identifies our athletes as a nation when they walk in for the opening ceremonies. But not only that, it unites them as they compete and live in the Olympic Village with all the other athletes from around the world. No one ever has to wander what country our athletes are from because they are wearing the Canadian Olympic swag. It identifies them. It unites them. And we experience that every Sunday here at Calvary Baptist Church as well. And uh, if you're in the congregation at the 11 o'clock service and you are wearing spark swag, I'd like you to stand up, please. Represent who you are ministering. So we have the Kuchmax at the back, Spark Swag. We have the Blackburns here and our sister here. They're wearing, turn around, show everybody your Spark Swag. Right? Exactly. So please don't judge them anymore for coming to church dressed so casually. No, there's a purpose to why they're wearing the Spark Swag. It identifies who they minister to with. They're ministering to children. None of that, it unites them. You know, we have two services, so those who are working in kids' ministry at the 9 o'clock service don't necessarily know those who are working at the 11 o'clock service, but if you see someone else wearing a spark swag, there's, this, there's already this bond because you both serve in the same area of the church. Clothing is a big deal at the Olympics. And you know what? As we'll see today, Paul makes a big deal of our clothing. And we'll see that in the section of his letter that he is writing to the believers in Colossae. So if you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, where we will be looking at this morning verses 12 to 17. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. You see, Paul, again in this section, starts with the word, therefore. As a reminder to the believers he's writing to of what we, he has just talked to them about, and we studied that last week, but therefore also serves as an introduction to a new thought. And he wants the believers to remember what he had just instructed them regarding actively engaging in saying goodbye to their sin by putting to death whatever belongs to their earthly nature, as we learned last week, and ridding themselves of behaviors and attitudes that destroy the community amongst the brothers and sisters. And here in this section, he introduces them to the importance of saying hello to kingdom swag. One of my favorite sportscasters to listen to when I'm watching sports is a gentleman named Jack Armstrong. He does a lot of the Toronto Raptor games for TSN. He's from Brooklyn, New York. And I'm not going to try and imitate his accent because I'll butcher it. But one of my favorite things about Jack is when the game's going on and something really exciting happens or someone does something amazing, he'll say, hello. And he, last week, we had to deal with putting away negative things. But this week, Paul is going to encourage us to say hello to kingdom swag. To kingdom swag because putting on kingdom swag or the kingdom of Christ virtues, just like our spark brothers and sisters this morning, identifies who we are. And it unites us as citizens of the kingdom of Christ. And did you notice that before Paul gets into the details of what to put on, he reestablishes for them, first, the importance of understanding who they are. Look at verse 12. Therefore, and he then uses three descriptive words to identify who they are. Chosen, holy, and dearly loved. That's good news. Sometimes we wake up in the morning, we might be having a busy week. Lots of pressure, lots of things going on. But when you wake up in the morning, if you belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, you need to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and say, man, I'm chosen, holy, and dearly loved. That is good news that will help your soul as you start the day. And so let's just take a look at these three descriptive words that Paul uses to reaffirm for the believers in Colossae who they are. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, chosen people, the idea reinforces the removal of the Greek and Jew distinction, which Paul had referred to in the previous verse. As we learned last week in verse 11, 
Paul highlights for the believers in Colossae what God has accomplished through Christ for every believer. Through Christ's sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his glorious resurrection, he has removed every barrier, including national differences, physical differences, differences in our social status. They have all been eliminated through Christ so that Luke can write in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And maybe you're here this morning and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ yet. But the fact you are here this morning indicates to me that God is doing something in your life. Because a lost person would have no interest to go to church. And so if you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, God loves you. And he might be drawing you into a relationship with him by faith through Jesus Christ. And the good news for you this morning is you are included in that promise. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you feel God is drawing you, he has perked your interest to learn more about Jesus Christ, please come and talk to one of us at the end of the service. There is no greater privilege that any Christian can have than to introduce you to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the Gentile believers in Colossae and any of us here this morning who by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ are citizens of the kingdom of Christ, we are proof of that promise in Acts chapter 2 verse 21. But not only that, chosen reminds, reminded the believers in Colossae and reminds us this morning that our election, our being chosen came at God's initiative. It came at God's initiative, who embraced them and embraces us who are here this morning with the gift of unmerited favor. All believers, all believers are members of God's covenant family and are considered, according to Colossians 1, verse 2 and 12, as saints who have been circumcised in Christ, Colossians 2, 11, and have become heirs of his eternal inheritance, Colossians 1, 12. No one, no one becomes a citizen of the kingdom of Christ by their own choice. I love how John MacArthur writes this. It is only in response to God's effectual, free, uninfluenced, sovereign grace. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 1, verse 4 to 8. This is our story. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And the benefits of being chosen are we are not only chosen, but we are holy and dearly loved. Holy and dearly loved. We have been made holy by the blood of Christ Holy means we have been set apart by God's undeserved loving kindness to be 
ambassadors, to be ambassadors for his kingdom. Sometimes we forget that, yes, we celebrate, and we must always celebrate the benefits of who we are in Christ in terms of our life now and our eternity, okay? But let us not forget we were also chosen for a mission, to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So as, as much as we long for the day when we'll be with him until he chooses when that will be, we have purpose for our lives. We are on mission. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that good news? They were to be and we are to be living advertisements, billboards of what God's grace can do in the life of an individual. And the only appropriate response to being chosen is to live as he wants us to live. I love what one author wrote. Christians have been chosen in Christ, who is the chosen one. And like Christ, we have been chosen for the benefit of the world, whose welfare we are to serve. If you're a member at Calvary Baptist Church, you're a member in our How to Belong class, we talk about that. One of our core values is that we are to be a witness. We are to show people Christ is who we are. And one of the application points of that core value is that we will seek out three to five people who are still living in the kingdom of darkness who will benefit from my relationship with Jesus Christ. Who in your circle of influence who are not saved, who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, how are they benefiting from the fact that you are chosen, you are holy, and you are loved? Are they benefiting? They should be because we are ambassadors. And Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, verse 10 says, We are God's handiwork created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are chosen. We're holy and dearly loved. I want you to recite with me John 3.16 to remind us how dearly we are loved. Let's go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What about Romans 5 verse 8? But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you came in this morning feeling down, I trust that God's word has already picked your spirit up. You're chosen. You're holy and dearly loved. And what was significant about Paul affirming their identity using these three descriptive words is that every one of these words originally belonged, as it were, to the Jews. They were the chosen people. They were the nation set apart. They were the beloved of God, not the Gentiles, not the people who are now forming this church in Colossae. But here Paul takes these three precious words, which had been the possession of Israel, and uses them to identify who the Gentile believers are. 
now that they are in Christ by God's grace. Proving that God's love and grace has gone out to the ends of the earth, to every nation, tribe, and tongue, represented in our church family this morning. That is God's grace. We are chosen. We are holy and dearly loved. So why was first affirming their identity so important to Paul? Before he got into what they need to put on. What is the kingdom swag that he wants them to put on? This point really impacted me this week. Because sometimes as followers of Jesus Christ, we can get trapped in following him just out of legalism. Why Paul wanted them to fully understand who they were was because embracing wholeheartedly our status as citizens of the kingdom of Christ is the impetus. It is the driving force for living for him. It's so crucial that we embrace wholeheartedly, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, so that it affects our body, so it affects our soul. We need to embrace wholeheartedly our status as citizens of the kingdom of Christ, because that who we are is the driving force behind living for him. And so out of that foundational conviction of who we are, there are three practical implications that I just want to notice that Paul points out in his teaching to the believers in Colossae. First, first implication, who we are determines what we put on. Who we are determines what we put on. Did you notice that this was an imperative? Look at verse 12. Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He doesn't say, would you please consider? I'd like to give you a suggestion. No, he says, clothe yourselves. There's no sense in how Paul is speaking to him that he is saying, clothing yourselves and this kingdom swag is optional. Or that it's just a suggestion that I'd like you to pray about. Just as a Canadian athlete cannot enter into the opening ceremonies at the Olympics wearing the Australian Olympic swag simply because they prefer green and gold to red and white. That's not acceptable. So also as citizens of the kingdom of Christ, we cannot ignore clothing ourselves with the kingdom swag. Because you see, as God's chosen people, there come certain expectations. And one of those expectations, as we see this morning, is that we clothe ourselves in a very specific way, as Paul outlined for the believers in Colossae. And the word clothe, that's an active word, right? I don't passively get up in the morning before going to work and decide whether I'm going to clothe myself. No, clothe is an active word. You have to be intentional. You have to be purposeful. And just as we learned last week that we are to actively say goodbye to our sin in our lives, so the expectation that Paul is giving the believers in Colossae and applies to us today is that those belonging to the kingdom of Christ will actively, intentionally put on the virtues of the kingdom of Christ. And using Paul's metaphor of clothing, we are to daily put off. We are to get rid of any apparel that is associated with our old self. And we are to put on the virtues and the kingdom swag that is in line with our new self, with who we are in Christ. And I can tell you from personal experience, our willingness to actively engage in saying goodbye to sin... It has a direct impact on experiencing Christ's victory over the possibility of sin in our lives. 
Just the same way, our willingness to actively clothe ourselves daily with kingdom swag will directly impact how well we display the image and likeness of God as we are on mission as his ambassadors. I won't take time this morning, but I'd encourage you to do a little exercise. In verses 8 to 14, when you go home, just note all the different terms that are used to indicate that our wills must be active in choosing to put off and to put on. So when you go home this afternoon, look at verses 8 to 14 and just note all the terms that help us to realize our will must be active in clothing ourselves. So let's look at what Paul says we're to clothe ourselves with. In parallel fashion to his previous list in verse 8 to 9 of the negative things that we are to put off that we learned last week, Paul identifies five articles of kingdom swag that we are to put on, which characterize us as citizens of the kingdom of Christ. Let's look through these quickly. The first thing we are to clothe ourselves with is compassion. Compassion, a heartfelt mercy towards others that reflects Jesus' concern for people who are hurting. We're to be like Jesus. We're to respond like Jesus. He is our king. I don't know if you will recall when Dr. John Taylor was here, our global mission speaker, on the one evening he spoke about how when uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he went on to explain the actual translation of that word compassion is to actually have such a deep concern for others that, is, that comes from the core of who we are. It's not just a surface thing. Well, I'll try and have a heartfelt mercy towards my brothers and sisters this week. No, no, no. This is a deep, it comes from our inner being of who we are. We're to be like Jesus. We're to clothe ourselves with compassion in our relationships with one another. Secondly, we're to clothe ourselves with kindness, a thoughtful and considerate disposition, demonstrate and listen through acts of benevolence, often to people who do not deserve it. It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to us. But in order to represent the kingdom of Christ properly and to put on kingdom swag, the, that kind of kindness is demonstrated when we do acts of benevolence to people who do not deserve it. As those who have been rescued by God's undeserved kindness toward us in Christ, we should adorn ourselves with the same posture. Compassion. Kindness. We're to clothe ourselves with humility, possessing an honest assessment of ourselves. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it talks about a sober judgment. Assessing yourselves properly, which will lead to recognizing that in and of ourselves we are nothing. That will yield the fruit of humility in our lives. A selfless perspective that values others more important. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And listen closely how we are supposed to relate to one another as the body of Christ. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves actively, intentionally, purposefully, with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud 
but gives grace to the humble. Next, we're to close ourselves with gentleness, the opposite of being out of control, also translated meekness. I, if anyone had stopped to talk to me last night, I was not clothed with gentleness when I was stuck on the hill behind people who had chosen not to put snow tires on their car and force me to get out of my vehicle in my suit to push so that we could get off the road. Gentleness, also translated as meekness, a peaceful and unassuming attitude. Whew. The Lord is convicting me on that. That does not seek retribution. A willingness to make allowances for others. It should not be understood as weakness. Some people think, oh, there's such a meek person that that's a weak character quality. Not at all. Not at all. That is supreme self-control empowered by the Holy Spirit. Meekness is a beautiful thing because it's produced by the Spirit. It's listed as one of the fruit of the Spirit. It is how Paul characterized Christ in 2 Corinthians 10.1. He says, By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. It's how Jesus described himself in Matthew 11.29. Gentle. Compassion. Kindness. Humility. Gentleness. And don't forget to put on patience. Patience. Exhibiting a measured response to others, especially in the face of opposition, which the believers in Colossae were absolutely facing. Patience exhibits a confident trust in the Lord who patiently extends grace to all people. A willingness to endure wrongs. Does that not epitomize Christ? You see, collectively, this list of virtues identifies characteristics that really reflect Jesus Christ, our Savior. And essentially equates to every day putting on Christ. That's what we read in Romans 13 and verse 14. Listen to what it says. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself was compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. And when we clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you see how the list Paul gives today is so opposite to the vices he listed in verse 8 and 9? Here's what you're to put off. But here's what you're to say hello to and clothe yourselves with. These vices in verse 8 and 9 destroy community within the body of Christ. The list we read today, it promotes and builds up community. This list helps us to govern our relationships with one another in a way that is honoring to Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have not been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness to live alone. He has chosen us to exist in community, in the context of family, as the body, as the church of Jesus Christ. And that is why clothing ourselves with these virtues is critical in order for us to be able to carry out the expectations that are listed in verse 13. Look what it says in verse 13, Colossians chapter 3. Bear with each other and forgive one another. There's no way we are going to do that if we have not clothed ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But we are to bear with each other and forgive one another. And so proof that we are clothing ourselves with kingdom swag will be that we will bear with each other. We will lovingly and patiently cooperate with each other for the sake of the unity that we have in Christ. And the call to forgive one another helps us to realize we are not perfect. 
The possibility for sin still exists amongst how we relate to one another. But we must have a willingness to extend the mercy we have received from Christ to those who hurt or offend us. I've learned in my life, the greater I understand how much God has extended grace and mercy to me makes it so much easier for me to extend grace and mercy to another. If you are not overwhelmed with what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, you're going to have a hard time bearing with me and forgiving me. We are to forgive each other as Christ has forgiven us. I like what one author uh, said in, in terms of how we relate to one another. In verse 14, the capstone virtue that we're to put on. And over all these virtues, put on love. Because it is the imitation of Christ. And this author said, supernatural love poured into our heart as believers is the adhesive of the church. His supernatural love poured into my life, and then I extend that to you, and you extend it to me, and we extend it to each other. That is the adhesive of the church that keeps us united, that keeps us in the perfect bond of unity. That kind of love unites us together and blends all these five virtues in complete harmony. So the list of virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience and love. That describes an outfit of loving sacrifice and service. Being a part of the kingdom of Christ requires us to put on the disposition and the duties of a servant. And just as Christ wrapped himself with the towel of humility to wash his disciples' feet and clothed himself in humanity, which we're going to celebrate over this next Christmas season, in willing submission to the Father, we are called to dress ourselves, to clothe ourselves in humble acts of service to God on behalf of others. Who we are determines what we put on. So clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. Second implication, implication, who we are, directs what we prioritize. Verses 15 to 17, and there's two things we're to prioritize. We're to prioritize the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. Literally what Paul is saying is, let the peace of, peace of Christ be the umpire. The one who determines, makes the decisions, makes the calls in your life. Here he's recalling the uh, metaphor of an umpire that he had used in chapter 2, verse 8, when he was referring to those who were opposing the believers in Colossae and making them feel like they didn't qualify. Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't let them determine who you are. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart and let his peace determine who you are in Christ. This peace is an inherent aspect of our salvation to which we are called. Peace is a blessing. How many of you are thankful for the peace of Christ in your heart? Absolutely, it's a blessing. It is a rest and assurance and trust of God, a belief that He loves us and is working for His glory and our good. And it is cultivated through prayer, through meditation in His Word, and corporately through the comfort and assurance of God's people as part of one body. Did you notice in the first part, Paul says, clothe yourself. But notice in this section, what we're to prioritize, he says, let. Let. That is important because it indicated to me when I was studying, it's already there. I don't have to put it on. It's already there. 
If you're a citizen of the kingdom of Christ, the peace of Christ is in your heart because the spirit of Christ is the seal of your salvation. So we don't need to put on, we need to let, we need to allow the peace of Christ to rule, to umpire, to determine, to make the call for how I am to live. Secondly, it, was, it also though says that we're to prioritize the message of Christ. So we're to prioritize allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our lives because of who we are. And we're to prioritize the message of Christ dwelling among us richly. The basis of any Christian gathering is the good news, the message about Jesus Christ. And this message, you can take a look this afternoon, is clearly outlined in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. There you will find that Christ creator of the universe. Christ is the creator of the new humanity, which we learned last week. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is all and in all. That's the good news. And this message is to dwell richly, not only in our lives individually, but corporately as the body of Christ. It is to enter in and live at the center of everything we do in our relationships with one another, in our corporate worship together. The same message of salvation that adopts us into God's family and unites us as his people must be the central truth that saturates every aspect of our lives and our corporate worship. And as we allow the gospel to dwell richly among us, we uphold Christ as the source of all wisdom and his truth serves as the substance of our teaching and admonishing one another. And did you notice that we are to use every means possible to help each other keep the message of Christ dwelling among us richly? Paul uses a variety of expressions, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit as a means by which we also use to teach and admonish one another. All of our worship must be infused with the truth of the gospel. As we promote deeper intimacy with Christ, and as we uh, promote stronger unity as his people, and we promote higher praise of, our, of his king, thankfulness will begin to ignite in within us. Did you notice that in those last verses? He says, and be thankful. With gratitude in your heart, giving thanks to the Father. As we allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts and as we allow the message of Christ to dwell among us richly, it will ignite in us thankfulness. That's why there's no way I can sit down when Jordan was leading us in that worship and the choir so beautifully about holy and then declaring, teaching and admonishing us through song, truths about who God is. It just ignites thankfulness in me that I can't sit down. I have to engage and it draws me into wanting to be a part of this beautiful chorus of worship that is going up to God. Who we are directs what we are to prioritize. And finally, who we are dictates how we live. So we clothe ourselves. We stay centered on Christ. And who we are dictates how we live. Worship, brothers and sisters, please listen carefully. Worship does not end when the service ends. 
It has to flow out into every area of our lives. Every word, every deed is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what Paul instructed us. Everything we do is to be done as Christ's representatives. Remember, we are on mission as his ambassadors, as those commissioned, authorized, and sent into the world by Christ, whose identity is determined by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's the case, worship takes place behind the doors of your home. Worship should take place in your workplace. Worship should take place in your schools. Worship should take place in every casual conversation you will enter into this week. Since all words and deeds are shaped by an awareness that we are acting under the authority and the presence of Christ. That's why it's so important to allow the message of Christ to dwell richly in us. Because then every thought, every word, and every deed will conform to His will and His way. Psalms 119 verse 11, I have hid your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Because of who we are, we are to act consistently with who Christ is and what He wants. And I found this very helpful, and I hope it will help you as well on your journey as a disciple. One of the best tests of any deed or action that you're involved in is to ask, can I do this calling upon the name of Jesus? Can I do this asking for his help? One of the best tests for any word you're going to speak, can I speak it in the same breath, name the name of Jesus? If we bring every word and deed to the test of the presence of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, we will not go wrong. We will represent his kingdom well. And living with this intentional awareness and experiencing victory over the possibility of sin in our lives will produce thanksgiving to the Father. I can tell you that is one of the best blessings I have as a follower of Jesus Christ. When the enemy is tempting me, when the Holy Spirit reminds me of what is the right thing to do, and then he gives me the ability to say no to sin, there is no better feeling. I walk away from that situation, and I am so thankful to God that through his divine power, he has given me everything I need for godly living. This will produce within us thanksgiving. For God is the one who rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his Son. So brothers and sisters, our corporate worship must not be the only time where we are doing things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This cannot be the only time we express thanksgiving to God. Everything that we do should be done conscious of His calling, His commands, His promises, and His empowerment. We are to be, it's one of our core values at Calvary Baptist Church, we are to be a lifestyle worshiper. We are to clothe ourselves. We are to stay centered on Christ. And we are to be a lifestyle worshiper. Calvary, last week and this morning, God has put the challenge out to us. And his challenge as citizens of the kingdom of his son is to actively engage in saying goodbye to sin and actively engage in saying hello to kingdom swag. The only thing left to be determined is how are we going to respond as a church? Because it's important 
Because how we respond is going to have a direct significant impact on our worship, on our connecting, and, and our reaching out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. It's overwhelming. But God, I pray that you would find within this local body of your kingdom people who are filled with hearts of thanksgiving, hearts filled with gratitude, hearts who are giving thanks to the Father. God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for making us holy. Thank you for helping us to be aware that we are loved. God, would you just help us now to respond with joy. Joy that comes from our heart full of thanksgiving because we recognize who we were, but who we are now. And help us to want to live according to your will and your way, wearing your kingdom swag. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is no life apart from him. Amen? No life apart from him. And if you're struggling, if it's not your joy to live his way or his will, you need to ask God to help you have a fresh understanding of who you are. You're chosen, holy, and dearly loved. You know, one of my big pet peeves is when someone opens up a closet full of clothes and they go, I got nothing to wear. (laughs) Some of you maybe have said that. I've got nothing to wear. Well, brothers and sisters, you cannot leave church this morning and say, I have nothing to wear. God has opened up his wardrobe of his kingdom swag that he's expecting us to clothe ourselves with every day. So let us respond well, with joy, his will, his way. Clothe yourself, stay Christ-centered, and be a lifestyle worshiper. God bless you.